Welcome back to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. I am your host, Ben Bukolsky. Thank you so much for joining me today, ladies and gents. Joining me today, Dr. Tony Gallia, Dr. Adil Khan. If you don't know who they are yet, you will by the end of this episode, and you will want to know more about them. Dr. Gallia has been a pioneer in the area of regenerative medicine, gosh, for a very long time. He was the um, physician for Team Canada in the Olympics in Japan in 1998, and he is known around the world for being the guy, the number one guy to go to for healing soft tissue, whether it's with Olympic athletes, professional golfers, NHL hockey players, NFL players, they are traveling to Toronto, Canada from all around the world to work with Tony Gallia to heal their tissues. Dr. Adil Khan joins me today. He is Dr. Gallia's mentee. He is an incredible wealth of information when it comes to musculoskeletal science, musculoskeletal medicine, pain medicine, regenerative medicine, and so much more. Today's episode was recorded live in person in Toronto, Canada, in their office where they're seeing patients on a regular basis, and these people are leaving healed. I literally have been around Dr. Gallia for coming up on 20 years now, I think. Uh, I've been you know, aware of him and in his, in his system, in his ecosystem. He's been helping me keep healthy and heal my body since as long as I can remember. And I'm so, so excited and I feel truly grateful to have Dr. Galli and Dr. Khan join me today. A little story for you before we start. In 2013, right after I did the Arnold Classic, most people don't know this, but both my triceps were actually torn. They were torn so bad that I literally couldn't extend my elbows. I couldn't do pull downs. I literally couldn't do anything for triceps, couldn't do anything for biceps or chest. And I was uh, in a lot of pain and very discouraged. I went to the surgeon. The surgeon said, unfortunately, sir, these are inoperable, which effectively was because the tendon was frayed rather than torn, which meant the outsides of the tendon was still intact and the entire you know, meat of the tendon was frayed. And he's like, there's nothing we can do for this. You would have been better off to have torn it off the bone. So I went to Dr. Galli and I said, you know, Tony, is there anything you can do for me? And he said, absolutely. He uh, helped me through the entire process, which we talk about in this podcast. And to fast forward a little bit, three months later, I was back in the gym training full speed and absolutely crushing it again. I think better than I was before and truly grateful for Tony and his wisdom and Dr. G Dr. Khan uh, now leading my current medical optimization regime. Uh, he helps me with a lot of things that we get into in today's podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by two incredible companies that have been longtime sponsors of the Muscle Intelligence Podcast, Bob's Naturals. You guys know them. You love them. That's why they continue to come back and support us. They can continue to come back and support you. So I would love it if you would head over to muscleintelligence.com slash bubs naturals and get hooked up with 20% off. If you're not already using MCT powder in your coffee, if you're someone who currently uses any type of dairy in your coffee or any type of almond milk or anything like that, oat milk, I know those are very, very common, but take my word for it. You will thank me when you're done. Grab a tub or two of MCT powder from bubs. There's nothing like it. It's so delicious creamy and rich. It far exceeds cream. It far exceeds almond milk and oat milk and all those things. Uh, when I have my Bub's Natural MCT with me, I am always a happy man. I tend to drink extra coffee, which it's not always good, but I love it. It's delicious. Uh, head over to muscleintelligence.com slash Bub's Naturals and get hooked up with 20% off your favorite MCT powder and the best quality collagen that exists on the planet. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Mag Breakthrough you guys know by optimizers has been a long time sponsor of the show their incredible products are literally changing the industry magnesium breakthrough has all seven forms of magnesium which helps all different tissues in your body you guys have heard me talk about mass zymes before if you're eating any amount of protein in your diet any large amount of animal protein taking 
proteolytic enzymes, it's highly suggested. They've also got a proteolytic probiotic, which helps with gut health and immune function. They've got so many incredible other products. I strongly suggest you head over to bioptimizers.com. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com and get hooked up with 10% off when you use the code MUSCLE10 at checkout. Guys, take care of our sponsors. They take care of us. And we will continue to take care of you with the best quality information anywhere on the planet. Thank you so much to Dr. Galley and Dr. Khan for joining me. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. I'm sitting here with two amazing gentlemen, Dr. Tony Gallia and Dr. Adil Khan. Guys, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having having us. So we kind of sprung on them last minute. We're going to record a podcast. These guys are doing some amazing things. Uh, Dr. Gallia and I worked together it's 2013, I think, yeah. and I was in excruciating pain considering retiring from professional bodybuilding because both my triceps were torn. People didn't know that. Just like, man, your arms are small. I was like, yeah, because I can't physically do anything. I couldn't press. I couldn't do extensions. I literally couldn't do anything. It was affecting bicep curls. And I came to you and you go, yeah, I can, I can help with that. And within, I think, six or seven weeks, yeah. I had restored full function. And, and I don't know if you remember what the, what the uh, ultrasound looked like, but I literally had one side was a full centimeter wide tear. Both the outsides were intact. The other one was four centimeters long. And by the end of it, and even now, completely restored function. So I'd love to have you just kind of, I know things have changed since then, but I'd love to have you walk through what we did then. And because like, I've been the biggest advocate of what you guys do ever since that. I'd love to just kind of walk through like, so we saw this this diagnosis. I went to a surgeon and the surgeon said, hey man, it's inoperable. There's nothing I can do. I'm like, great, career's done. I come to you and in six weeks, I'm back training full speed again. So what happened? Well, yeah, the soft tissue injury, uh, triceps tear was incomplete, was really non-surgical, but uh, you needed your triceps to do what you do. So we lacked it to do um, stem cells using bone marrow, I think we did. We did that fat graft. Fat grafts. Yep. Yeah, so what I did is I took a little bit of fat, I took out two components, the uh, part of the fat that had the stem cells, and then the rest was a scaffold. So I took those stem cells, injected them into the tendon with the fat, and then we seeded it with platelet-rich plasma to help regenerate. Mm-hmm. You know, in those days, we were allowed to use stem cells, but now we're no longer allowed to use stem cells. Yeah. So, but it really helped. It regenerated your tendons quite quick. It was, it was unbelievable. Like, I didn't even think it was possible. It was, for me, it was like a last-ditch effort. It's like, yeah, let's try, let's see what happens. And they had me wearing these braces, and I was like mm-hmm. trying to brush my teeth and stuff. And then all of a sudden, within just a small amount of time, I was kind of back to normal. Yeah, it works really well. Yeah. So we're still allowed to use the fat as a scaffold, but we're not allowed to take the stem cells out of the fat. Right. How do you do that? Is that process just like chemical? So we, there's, you could do it chemically, you could do it mechanically. In those days, we did it mechanically. So when you take the fat and you centrifuge the fat, there's a little pellet at the bottom of the fat called the stromal vascular fraction. And all the stem cells are concentrated in there. In those days, we were allowed to strip those stem cells out of that mechanically and take those stem cells and take part of the fat and wash it as the scaffold. So what I would do is take that fat, inject it into your tear, your tendon under ultrasound, and take platelet 
rich plasma because it has certain growth factors. They're called cytokines. They're like builders of a house, plumbers, drywall. And you put those components with the raw materials of the stem cells into the fat, and then you get regeneration. I'm not sure if we did hyperbaric at that time. I think we did. So then you add another component, the oxygen, which stimulates the nitrous oxide process, speeds up the regeneration. So you you create a perfect environment for regeneration. Right. So I'm smiling over here because I don't remember, you wouldn't remember what you said to me, but I tell everyone this part too. So I was like, are you going to like freeze her in like that? And you literally looked over across the room and you're like, see that 12 year old girl over there? I just, just, just injected both of me, shut up and sit down. I was like, got it. <laughs> um, so he still practices that way. <laughs> totally. And that, well, yeah. The problem is if you put a lot of freezing into the tendon, that dilutes it in the regenerative mix. Right. And you don't really want that in. Right. So. And you're so, tough. Needless to say, it wasn't comfortable, no. but it worked extremely yeah. well. So average person doesn't have torn triceps, doesn't have torn knees, and obviously you're not able to do the, the stem cells now. So what does the shift look like now? What are you guys working on now? Yeah, so what we did from that time, and I was working on it for the last 10 years, but unlike the previous 10 years when I came up with platelet-rich plasma yeah. for soft tissue injuries, I was more of a cowboy. I didn't patent anything. I just did it. I didn't get approval. Now, this is something you came up with on your own. In 1999, the technology was being used by ear, nose, and throat guys, some spinal guys. But I think I was the first in the world to use, take that application and use it on muscle injuries, tendon injuries, and joint injuries. But I just did it. Like, I didn't. Uh, I just did my own experiments in my own little mini lab. Uh, I didn't get approvals for everything. So that didn't work out too well for me, even though it did well globally. The whole industry exploded, but personally it didn't work too well for me. So then we, I developed another process because the platelet-rich plasma in itself doesn't have a lot of anti-inflammatory effect. So I wasn't happy with the outcomes from the PRP. So what I did research on is taking another cell, a type of white blood cell called a monocyte, because I knew it was able to make certain things called inhibitors to inflammatory cytokines like interleukin and these group MMPs that kind of destroy tendons and destroy cartilage. So I did bunch of research papers. Uh, we did everything by the book, uh, IRB approval, all the approvals we needed, went through all the steps. Health Canada too. Yeah, Health yeah. Canada approval. So we, everything was the way it should have been done, what I should have done with the PRP originally. And then we developed a new generation of PRP called Cytorich PRP, which is not great for tears, but great for chronic inflammation. So sometimes you have a tendon that has a tear and chronic inflammation. So now I can use PRP plus the Cytorich and deal with both issues. So interesting. Yeah, and the applications for that for chronic inflammation and pain are huge because of chronic osteoarthritis and spinal conditions and everything else. So that's what we're mainly using it for. 
So there's no more um, needing to take the fat graft or a scaffold. Like, do you still do fat grafts or do you guys just? Yeah, for, well, it depends on the injury. So say, for example, you come in with jumper's knee or chronic quad tendinals from squatting. So what we do, we see that you have a tear and you have chronic damage inflammation. So we need, if you put the PRP into that hole, it's going to go right through. Right. So what we do is we create, get the fat as a scaffold. We inject regular PRP into the tear, but then we use cider-rich PRP, the one that's anti-inflammatory on the rest of the tendon. So this way we treat the tendinosis and the degeneration plus the tear at the same time and the scaffold. One of the things that I mentioned that was probably the, one of the greatest benefits I got, and I was like, I, I want to do this again, was probably for six months after. It's felt, I felt like I was a newborn baby. So I was getting this systemic decrease in inflammation. So I'd love to have you guys talk about what exactly is happening there. Well, the stromovascular fraction is super anti-inflammatory. So we'll work out one more time? The stromovascular fraction, okay. the part oh, he was talking about, that isolated that. with the stem yep. cell. Yep. So it's the medicinal signaling cells or anti-inflammatory cytokines that it sends out that reduces inflammation. So I'm guessing you probably had a systemic anti-inflammatory effect just because of that. So would that happen just with the, the PRP or the cytokine P, or the cytorich PRP, or do it have to be the fat throughout? Well, you could, like right now, we have another application. We're doing some research. We did the, what's called in vitro research on using cytorich to try to inhibit the cytokine storm in COVID patients. Because... Yeah. A gentleman asked me, well, if it's all cytokines, can't you do the same thing? What you did with arthritis with COVID. So we did the in vitro work and we showed that, yeah, we can make inhibitors to those same cytokines that cause COVID. So we uh, proved the in vitro, but now we had to prove it clinically. So right now we have a clinical uh, double blind trial in Europe at a few hospitals where they're using not the platelet component, because you don't want platelets in COVID patients because it throws clots, but the monocyte-derived, the white cell-derived inhibitors to those inflammatory cytokines. So we're doing a clinical trial right now trying to inhibit that, but we're giving it systemically through intravenous. Uh, So that's in the middle of a trial right now. We'll see how the outcome. So would that be something like someone has to actually... No, so this is on patients that, you know, they're not doing well, their oxygen saturation is dropping and they get to around 90 or just under 90. They're a little bit panicky and they're going to go to the hospital and the emergency physician says, we better put you in the hospital because your oxygen levels are dropping. So they've they've been diagnosed with COVID. Yeah. So it's that period where they get into trouble. So what we hypothesized is if we can suppress that cytokine storm by inhibiting the cytokines, we're basically flattening the curve, give their natural body the ability to fight it on its own. So would this be similar in effect then to the monoclonal antibodies? Different pathway? Different pathway. Yeah, Yeah, because the monoclonal antibodies are inhibiting um, basically the virus replication itself we're stopping the inflammatory response so we're a little bit later down the chain it's basically enhanced convalescent plasma like convalescent plasma is already a treatment for severe covid but but, but convalescent but, plasma has been shown not to work yeah so this is enhanced 
So what conflicts and plasmids that were taking people who had COVID, uh, taking their plasma has antibodies already and giving it back to the patient. But it doesn't work. It's been shown, the study shows it doesn't work. That's not what we're doing. We're taking the patient's own plasma. They haven't really developed the antibodies. They're in the process of delaying, developing the antibodies. But now they're getting this cytokine rush because there's two phases of COVID, really. You have your viral replication phase. Then you have this inflammatory or allergic type phase that they're getting into. So what we're doing is as they come out of COVID or the viral replication at day eight, and we're letting them develop their own antibodies. We're not taking people's blood from somebody else. We're using their own blood. The patient's own blood, so they come to the eMERGE, we take their blood, put it through the process, develop these inhibitors, and then giving it back to see if we can suppress that storm. But that's what we're, our hypothesis, and that's what they're doing in Europe right now in a few hospitals. Yeah, so let's come back to the, the side of Rich. I'd like to hear what the application is for, like, average person. So not everyone's got an injury. <clears throat> not everyone's experiencing massive amounts of arthritis, or maybe, maybe they are. But like, what is a typical patient that you guys see on a day-to-day basis coming in to treat with the center? Maybe if you go through the spinal indication. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the I think the most common thing is definitely back pain. Mm-hmm. It's become just so epidemic, especially because of COVID. Everyone's sitting more, but obviously with injuries right. and so, so how that works specifically, like mechanistically. So. You, yeah. yeah, so there's a few. So with back pain, it's complex because there's multiple pain generators. So there could be your disc, the facet joints, and the nerve and the mm-hmm. muscles. And the problem with the conventional approach is like, say, if you have chronic back pain, you go to a pain doctor, they'll just be like, let's do some cortisone, let's do a nerve block. They're just targeting one specific pain right. generator. But the reality is you can have multiple pain generators. And the only way to target all those different is using like the different types of PRP, like he was saying. So, for example, if I have someone with a chronic degenerative disc disease and arthritis and all that, I can use the cider rich to treat the nerve and reduce the inflammation. And I can also use it to treat the facets. And then I can use the regular PRP to treat the muscle tears and the ligaments to help stabilize the area. So it's like I'm using the different concoctions to target each specific problem. And that way you can get a comprehensive treatment to like someone who's suffering with chronic back pain. But in general, it's, it's, I think like for like the average person, that's definitely the most common thing I'd say we see. And then probably after that, it's like knee OA and yeah, the shoulders. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't do any spine. He does all the spine and back. I just do. He doesn't want the complicated stuff. No, I like, <laughs> uh, to me, I like, you know, knees and tendons yeah. or shoulders, elbows and stuff. So my thing is a little bit easier because I look at chronic inflammation and I kind of dissect it from what's acute on chronic or what's just chronic. So, for example, say you have patellar tendonitis. You're lifting all the time. You come, you got some of that's acute, but some of it's chronic. So, you come in and I have to decide, well, how much is that acute, which is new injury, and how much is old injury? So then when we approach it, the pathways of causation are completely different. So you come in, you you say you have tendonitis for three weeks for that. It's an acute inflammatory reaction. It's a normal rebooting process. But what if three weeks, four weeks goes on? Now it's 10 weeks. So now you go on a different pathway called the chronic inflammatory pathway. That's where what I do will inhibit that chronic part. 
because the more inflammation you have chronic, the more destruction you have, whether it's cartilage or tendon. And you're able to start reversing the chronic inflammation. Yes. It changes from catabolic to anabolic. That's kind of the idea. Instead of breaking down and degradation, you're going to have actual regeneration and restoration. How long does it last? Well, depends what you do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. If you're doing a tear, like, and I think to your earlier question about like a lot of people who work out and have nagging injuries, a lot of times they're actually chronic low grade tears. They just, they just never get assessed properly. And we're, because of our diagnostic skills, we're able to pick up a lot of those small tears, right. especially in like bodybuilders. They're so, they're so, yeah, 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 yeah. Like they're so common. Where, so. where it becomes complicated is some people say, well, you're going to get new cartilage. That's a lie. Right. You're not going to get new cartilage. Even with stem cells, you're not getting new cartilage. Anybody who says they're building new cartilage with stem cells, leave. Right. They're lying. It's not going to happen. You're creating an environment where you're getting rid of the inflammation, so you're not getting pain. You may get some regenerative stuff in tendons, but to build new cartilage once it's gone, not going to happen. Without a 3D bioprinter. <laughs> right. That's the only way. So then you because. What he was talking about earlier is basically you need a scaffold and you need progenitor cells and you need growth factors. Right. So you need, that's called a regenerative triangle. So you need that regenerative triangle to truly regrow tissue. So when someone says they're doing stem cells for your knee joint and we're going to regrow your cartilage, they're lying to you. But unfortunately, that still happens in the U.S. especially. So the only way to really do it is use a 3D bioprinter where they print an actual scaffold using like um, polymer hydro, hydrogels mm -hmm. and then they seed it with stem cells and then they actually uh, use arthroscope and like will actually almost regrow like a new hip or a new knee. Right. But that's still experimental like trials. So you guys have, have like mythical status in the athletic world, right? And this is being honest, like every pro athlete we talk to like Dr. G and Dr. Ka and I'm like, yep. So I'd love to just have you guys share some like stories and you have to share names, but like I've heard so many miraculous stories of like, yeah, this guy just got his ACL torn and three, three days later he's back on the ice because he went to see Dr. Khan and Dr. G. So I'm curious, like what have been some miraculous um, like kind of uh, turnarounds you guys have experienced? Well, there's been a lot. Luckily, I, <laughs> luckily I've been doing this 30 years, uh, which is fun. But a fun one for me, there's been lots, like a lot of pro athletes, but a fun one, which I can use his name, he was uh, um, a sprinter hurtler for Gatemans, came in on his yeah. Ronald Forbes. So he ruptured his Achilles, and he said, I'm competing in the Rio Olympics in three months, and I want, I'm the flag bearer, and I want to run. So I go, whoa. <laughs> 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 so I go, like, you know, I remember when, in Donovan's case, you know, we got him back and that was fast. How long was that? Uh, well, I had a six month window, but that was in a day when you know, no one was doing fast rehab. And, right. you know, I was a little bit, some people say, off the edge. Right. Pushing but I was, a little bit. was pushing. But three months was really pushing. And so uh, it was fun. So, we got him back, we did all our regenerative stuff, put him in the hyperbaric rehab and stuff like this. So he hasn't ran or jumped a hurdle and he lands in Brazil. So, you know, he carries the flag for the country, everything's good. So I think within a few days he starts running, the track is looking good. He starts training on women's hurdles and then the men's finals comes. And I'm thinking, oh, 
here, three months, this thing explodes. I'm done. It's going to be terrible. But he ran. He finished last. But he did what he wanted. And that was fun because, you know, he wanted to carry the flag. He wanted to run in the finals. And then, you know, he was great. That was a fun one. That was really cool. Olympic uh, bobsledder, she wanted to get back to... uh, she had to do her trials like they had to qualify so they have to do a bunch of weight training and they have yeah. to like do that and she had to do it literally within uh like three weeks and she had a hamstring tear like acutely like sprinting so i just like luckily i got her in like through alex like we got she got her in right away and we did the prp and then a week later she was like i'm pain free and i can sprint again like it was unbelievable but it's also because she's young she's healthy all those other factors but that type of stuff where it's like normally if you have a tear like that it can take months right Right. and so the prp was able to get her back really quickly so i love the idea of like you know i I always talk about you know the highest level of human achievement and you guys are pushing the envelope psychologically and then applying it in practice and i'm really curious what's possible right when you're doing that's why i asked this question like (laughs) why are we not allowed to push the envelope of like healing the human system? Is it just like the, the safety regulations the government's worried about? Like, hey, this may not be safe. Would there possibly be negative repercussions? Like what would be, I, I get you, this is a long time ago and you wouldn't do it now, but in theory, like what is the what is the trepidation that is, other than the fact that it's not financially? Well, it's, it's, there's something in medicine called standard of care. Yeah. Like it's, it's like a menu driven recipe that, you know, this is what everybody has to do, and you got to stay in that box. The problem is, if you go out of the box, you got to be careful how far out, because now you're exposing yourself, and if something goes wrong, no one's going to really come to your aid, because you're doing things outside what's recommended. In sports medicine, you know, in the early days, it was a lot easier to step out of the box than it is today. Like, I'm glad I was back in that day, not really in today's yeah. time, because we could, it was like pioneers. We were able to do stuff. It was a new field. You know what's still happening? Like, there's no way that someone who's training at the top of the Tour de France or the top of the Olympics is like, hey, man, I know this doc over here has got some stuff, but he's definitely not going to use it on me. Like, come on, like, the Russians are definitely going to follow the rules. Well, everybody looks at performance enhancement drugs yeah. as, you know, from our perspective or my perspective, it wasn't about making somebody bigger, right. faster, stronger. It was just trying to mimic the body's healing. Well, as an athlete, if yeah. you could give me that back, like when I left your, after having my tricep, like, it was like you gave me my life back. It wasn't just like, oh, I, it was like my, my career was over. Was like, yeah. There's no way I can do I can lift my arms. Yeah. And so what that to me is like, you're not giving me a new gear. You're simply giving yeah. me hope. You're giving me that, yeah. that ability to go back and do what I love. And to take that away from somebody is ridiculous. And I yeah. understand the hypothetical, like this person, this standard of care isn't, isn't, um, replicable or it's not we don't know what, what the potential side effects are i get that whole angle but in the day if the athlete's willing to take that chance and the doctor's like yeah i think i know what, what to do i mean to me like we got to find a country where we can just like get out of here <laughs> well that's a, that's what you just touched on canada is very conservative like yeah. the innovation here is so slow compared to like asia and europe and a lot of other places especially with stem cells and like regenerative medicine so yeah. they're just very conservative probably for many reasons but i don't know why but <laughs> But, you know, justly slow, because if you look at the whole stem cell thing, 
So we were doing it in a certain fashion, but then there were guys yeah, using of, stem yeah. cells and they were making all sorts of claims, new cartilage, new tendons, right. we're going to do this. And it, eyes exactly. <laughs> so yeah. it got out of control. Yeah. So the problem is, how do you control that market? Well, you can't say, well, you're allowed and you're not. Right. So you have to just shut it down until they could get better controls for everybody. And I could understand where the you know, ministry is coming from because there are guys doing stupid stuff with stem cells. Right. And they shouldn't have been doing it. Yeah. And they were saying things that they shouldn't have been saying. Yep. And stem cells can actually cause harm. There's yeah. people doing stupid stuff with PRP too, yeah. but at least PRP can't cause harm. Right. Like they're not doing it properly. So they're not using the right type of PRP. So give an example of what stem cells could do that would be harmful. Well, you can actually grow tumors. Like, there's been case reports wow. with spinal tumors. There's been blindness reported as well. I've heard that lady was on my podcast. The blind one? <laughs> no, the, the one who, who, yeah, she injected the guy's eyes and he went blind. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So, there's real risk with stem cells. So, that's the other thing. Yeah, and there's, you know, people were doing it for everything from, oh, we're going to make you younger or we're going to inject it, you know, in your skin. Yeah. And the problem Does is, it not work for those things? The supportive, data, <laughs> the supportive data is weak. Yeah. Like, but cosmetics um, will grasp at straws, right? Sure. Like they'll take anything. Uh, at, least, <laughs> at least in stuff we did, yeah. like with tendons, you know, it wasn't, it was pretty black and white. And the science makes sense, I, right? Mechanistically. Well, the guy would say, yeah, I can run. Or my Achilles is messed. It infects me. So for your triceps, it was a simple answer. Can I lift or right. can't I lift? Right. So whereas in cosmetics, it's a little bit different. Yeah. You know, say, well, anti-aging knew this, knew that. And they're hard to measure. And you, it's easy to measure. Was the triceps healthy? Right. Could you lift? Could you go back to do what you did? Yeah. And those were easy parameters to measure. Yeah. But in some of the things people did, you can't measure. And the stem cells they're actually doing in U.S., because they still do it in U.S., aren't actually stem cells, because they're not actually culturing them or growing them in a lab. So they're just taking your bone marrow or fat, but they're not actually getting the right number of progenitor cells that you need. Right. Can you talk about the, the difference between the different types, like mesenchymal stem cells, they have like the, the, uh, M, M, the embryot, or, uh, amniotic, amniotic, yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. And we can't do any of that in Canada, right? In the U.S., no. they're doing some of it. Yeah. And, and now, is there actually a difference in the efficacy in the well, I, I think we got to look at is get away from the term stem cell because really it's all about cytokines because okay. cytokines are these messenger proteins yep. that tell cells what to do. And all the stem cells are, are a lot of cytokines that are derived from stem cells. So people use the term stem cell and they think, well, I'm going to get new tissue. But that's not how they work. They're creating these cytokines that are signaling cells to other tissue, send me this, build this, do this. And stem cells have a lot of cytokines. So these amniotic fluid things that everybody using now as injections, they're just cytokines, different formulas. And that's what I try to do with Cytorich PRP is create a cytokine profile, but I wanted it standardized. So I wanted to know from injection to injection what my cytokine recipe is and what I'm inhibiting. Yeah. So you're not really standardizing the formula. You can't replicate it 
from injection to injection and injection. Yeah, I probably get asked that every day. They're like, oh, should I just go to US and do stem cells? And I'm like, no, Cytorich. And then I explain why Cytorich and what he just said. With the, it's all about the messenger cells, not about the actual stem cells. You guys are kind of identifying specific cytokine um, ranges, it sounds like. Could you actually do the same thing for different tissues in the body? So my brain goes immediately to like inflammatory disease of the brain, heart, you know, the liver. Could, could you, in theory, isolate the cytokines that would specifically isolate or target those tissues? Yes. So that's why what we did is we applied inflammation is inflammation in a different pathways in different tissues, very similar pathways. That's why we kind of, when I was asked to see if I can do what I did with inflammation of the knee with the cytokines to the COVID, that's luck. So the cytokines, instead of being in the knee, are being rushed in the lung. Mm -hmm. So they're different pathways, uh, very similar pathways at the end of the day. So if we can inhibit inflammation in different tissues, we could probably prevent a lot of damage to those tissues. You know, our focus is uh, muscle, tendon, bone. That's where our, you know, our specialty lies. The COVID stuff, I'm not doing the clinical trial. I just designed theory, the theory and the protocols that the intensive care physician and respirologists are doing it in Europe because that's their specialty. Right. So in theory, if we're getting cytorich injections in knee and shoulder and elbow, it should still positively affect the heart, the brain, and lungs, and everything else. No, because it's being uh, absorbed by receptor sites in that tissue in the joint, so it's very localized. Now, systemically, when we're giving it, uh, that's a different process. And you get more whole body effect. Right, so is this something you guys have had like synthesized and patented that's made outside of the, the lab, or is it something like someone comes in, gives you their blood, and you spin it, and you just extract a certain kind of fraction of the blood? So right now, with that cytorich PRP, it's your own blood, and we make it in-house, and we're uh, the process. We have patents globally in every country in the world, and uh, um, we're just developing the hardware to make it universal. So the type of kits, the tubes, to have standardized kits, and that's what we're in the process of doing right now. Um, Adil, you're um, you know, quickly gaining this amazing reputation around helping people. What's your favorite part of, um, you know, obviously you're working specifically on the spine, but what's your you know, the favorite part of what, what you see in the future that's coming? Yeah, it's, it's the regenerative medicine. That's the future for sure. It's... Uh, I think eventually we'll be able to figure out the profiles of those inflammatory pathways and target those specifically. And they're always starting to do that with like immunotherapies and um, using CRISPR technology and gene editing, where they can actually target and for even in cancer what those specific pathways are and target those. So it's all about cellular signaling. And that's like that's uh, what regenerative medicine is all about. And that's actually what Cytorich is. So because what Tony did was, wait, I mean, I don't know how you thought about it, but <laughs> but everyone's talking about it now. But 10 years ago, I don't know how you came across with that idea, but everyone's talking about cellular pathways and cellular signaling now, and how do we t- stop uh, those different pathways? Like, for example, like the aging pathways, right? Like, there's mm-hmm. different, there's like seven pathways that have been identified. You read my mind. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. you know I'm going to bug you on that. So we <laughs> talked the other day, and you yeah. said, maybe I'll tell you on the podcast. And let's talk <laughs> about those seven, so, seven pathways of longevity and, and the, yeah, what you just said. Well, so they're like different. Um, there's like mitochondrial dysfunction. There's 
increase in like protein turnover, there's cellular senescence, there's a chronic inflammation. Um, like uh, you can also get uh, glucose intolerance or like, you know, some, uh, those can be signs of aging as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I can't remember what other those are, but generally the, those, all those different pathways and how to target those is what's the, where the research is heading. But you know what the best way to target all those pathways is, is high intensity resistance training. Mm -hmm. And that actually, there's been studies done and even in elderly folks that they activate all those different pathways. And that's how, so the, that's the best way to fight aging by far and longevity is putting on muscle. Yeah. Right. And so muscles protective for your organs. It's like, I really, I, thought, I like saying it's like body armor for your, you know, yeah. your actual physical body. Right? Um, I'd love to hear both of your opinions as far as you guys weight train, like the thoughts around the actual nutritional state during the exercise itself and how much that's actually implicating in the outcome. Right. So if I'm, if I'm training really hard in, in a really fed state versus training hard in a really fasted state versus, you know, uh, you know, somewhere in, in between, I'm curious if you guys have thought through how that would be implicated in the actual outcome of the exercise itself and how it's how it's affecting the, the, you know, the cytokine response from training or the, the myokine response in this case. Well, fasting increases the cellular pathways of like reducing inflammation and with cellular senescence. But I think performance, especially with high intensity resistance, goes down as you do fast it and you can't. And the other thing is there's actually been study um, as a case report is you probably know Peter Atia. He did a he had a patient who they did an intermittent fasting protocol for, mm -hmm. and they actually so they lost like fifty pounds, but their body fat went from like eighteen to thirty percent. So they lost muscle. They lost a lot of muscle because they were just doing walking and yoga and then just like fasting, and just eating like you know low calorie diet, right. low protein. So it's actually the opposite of what you, it's actually the opposite of what you want. But you're like, oh, I lost all this weight, yeah, but then yeah. you're actually longevity wise and health wise, you're worse off. Right. So that's what people don't uh, realize, I think, with that stuff. So, Dr. G, talk to me about your dietary choices, because that's that's. Um, well, I'm probably not. Yeah, I'm, no. a, I'm a vegan. I know you're a vegan. That's why I want you to talk about it. So, I I, I want to ask smart people why they do what they do, and that's that's why I have a podcast. It's like yeah. I have this amazing opportunity to talk to some of the brightest people in the world, and you made that decision. You've done it for a long time, and I'd love to hear the the logic and the rationale because I'm sure it's something you maybe even explore on a regular basis. Well, it's probably a weird answer because. I didn't do it really for health reasons. My thought process when I became a vegan was um, plants give off oxygen, right? So, uh, and we give off carbon dioxide, but we have this symbiotic relationship. Mm -hmm. So my thinking, and I don't know if I was meditating, <laughs> was that I'm trying to be the best healer I can. So if I don't destroy life, if I don't take spirit of animal, yeah. and I only eat plants, I'm going to be able to give off that kind of energy to my patients. So that's why I became a vegan. So it's a bit of a spiritual, yeah. esoteric response. That's yeah. not a bad, that's a great response. I would have never expected that. Because yeah. I would suspect if you ask any healer you know, in, in the Peruvian jungle. I'm going to say they say something very similar, right? Yeah. Would you eat lab-grown meat? What's that? Lab-grown meat? They have that in Israel, the first, uh, no. that you wouldn't? Why? No, because the other part of my theory is that you can put all, like, vitamins and supplements and all that stuff. You can put them in a bowl, but then put food in the bowl, come back in a year, the food is gone. gone. But the pills, they're still there. So there's a 
there was a life force in its energy. There's some unseen force as life that makes me similar to you, similar to that plant, that is common. So that's why I want the energy of that substance in its real form. A lab-grown thing, there's no life right. to that. It makes no sense. No sense. To include all the genetically modified crops, right? Yeah, I'm like, right. what do I want with this? Yeah. It's like grown in, in pesticide. Exactly. Yeah. Man, I, we watch some interesting documentaries and like it, the, the idea of not allowing animals to die, it, like there's this beautiful like uh, cycle of life where the animals eat plants and it's like this this turnover that creates diversity, right? If we, if we all become, you know, uh, plant-based, you understand the idea behind the monocrops. It's, it's killing everything. And so I think that's way more detrimental to the world. I'd love to have like the ability to how to you know exist in our 18,000 acre forest and kind of forage for yourself. Yeah, but, but you got to remember, I'm a healer. That's my role. Right. But not every, there can't be, everybody can't be healers. Right. Then we won't have anybody doing any other things. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of the diversity of our human species. Right. That's my rule. Uh, you opened up the can of worms now, so I'm gonna, I got to go down this path. So, as a healer, how much are you looking at uh, people's other energetic considerations? So, someone's psychological health or spirituality—they're they're just like health outside of you know the physical realm. Well, for me, like healing comes happens when they open the door. Yeah. So you have to emit an energy which is, you know, hope uh, they're going to get better. Uh, you have to kind of read the scenario to kind of gauge how they feel. Are they depressed? Are they down? Because a lot of sports people get very anxious when they're not competing. Oh. And because that's their lifestyle. So you have to be able to bring that in and heal that component. So when you guys are talking about healing, how much are you looking at the considerations around like photons of light and, and frequencies? Are you incorporating that into the healing process or because we may ultimately know we're, we're frequency based beings? Well, we don't need to because it's the Tony Gallia effect. He just touches someone and oh, they get yeah. better. No, but seriously, what he's saying is so true, right? To be a, is how you interact with the patient is yeah. so important. And, that, that, and there's something called nocebo effect, which is right. You know what you have, right? It can cause negative outcomes. If patients don't think they're going to get better. Yeah. So, and there's obviously placebo effects. So it's all how you interact with them. But I mean, we don't do the energy medicine stuff, I guess, but like, I think it's the way we carry ourselves. So I don't want to make that sound esoteric. Like when I say, when I say like actual frequency, right? So we know cell, every cell, every right, frequency. Yeah, yeah. And I'm curious at what level you guys would ever consider that as part of the healing process. You ever thought about that? I do. Uh, like for me, even the, light exposure, natural light. Um, a lot of my patients, they, I tell them, you know, if they could, if they live out in the country and on the city, no curtains, yeah. let the light touch them in the morning, respond to that circadian flow. Right. Uh, I think monitoring sometimes your sleep behavior is better than checking all your fitness stats. Yeah, because most of the healing in the building and regeneration, from my perspective, comes during that sleep phase. How much are you considering things like EMF 
like personally, not with your with your patients, but are you, are you aware of potential negative effects of like 5G being you know, kind of blanketing? I haven't researched it enough to make an educated conclusion. Yeah, still, I think, to be decided. But I think, uh, yeah, I think what you were saying earlier about like all the different lifestyle factors is, yeah, I mean, that, that's all so important, even with what we do because of chronic pain and all that stuff, you have to optimize all that. And same with the, same with the hormones, right? And that's why, um, like I was going to say earlier about the peptides can be a healing too with the, the PRP and everything else, right? Yeah. So are you guys incorporating peptides into the therapy? Well, I some of my pro bodybuilders, they use it, they use like BPC-157 yeah. in addition to what they're doing. And I've seen better healing. That's crazy yeah. stuff. Have you looked at the research with that? I've looked at the research, but... Um, it's still just animal studies. Yeah. So anecdotally, with just some of my pro guys, I've seen them heal faster than they would without it. And, it, and you know, William Seeds, he uses, he's an ortho guy in the States, mm-hmm. and he, he uses a lot of peptides with PRP. Yeah. Um, but there's still like just not really definitive research on it. Yeah, so I've actually taken a lot of these peptide courses, and I'm, I'm, you know, uh, open-minded but always skeptical. I would say I'm an open-minded skeptic, right? So, yeah, it seems like there's there's definitely something there, but we don't know the the contraindications. We don't know the exactly. Yeah, you still need human trials, right? And so that's why I just don't like when people are like advertising peptides will save you, treat all your injuries. I have people every week they ask me, they're like, can I just take peptides? Why do I have to do PRP? It's like, right. I've seen BBC do miraculous things. Miraculous things. It is. It is cool. I, we definitely need some human trials for that. Yeah. So we mentioned a book called Healing is Frequency, and you mentioned there's a deeper level of uh, kind of tapping into frequency. So it's not something we could measure, but you kind of were going off and saying what specifically this is. Yeah, I think everybody has the capacity to tap into their frequency and energy. The problem with most of us in our society we create an attachment to thought. Mm -hmm. So you learn from a young age to think, and you think that because you think that's who you think you are by what you think. Right. But at some point, you have to be able to separate and have learned the ability to separate your thought from who you really are. You know, some people call it the I am, mm-hmm. right? You get back as far as you can to get to that I am phase, because in that phase, you disassociate from your thought process. But that's the part that is like walking by a tree, right? Or a nice flower. Everybody, oh, look how nice that flower is, how nice that tree is. But no one ever thinks or I wonder what the tree thinks of me mm-hmm. you know to allow the tree in to see yourself so eliminate thought to get into the, those the frequencies of energy if you can do that you can tap into a lot of power and to me I think people look at anti-aging and stuff like that once you tap in, you could regenerate that type of flow of energy. That's very powerful. Have you, have you studied shamanism? Like, or, or read about any of the shamanism? Well, it, it, if you look at all the mystics, yeah. the shaman, the Kabbalists, the Sufis, yeah. the Hindus, any of the mystics, yeah. all of them, their thought process is the same. There's no thought. Right. right? They, they're beyond thought. 
Um, and that's a very powerful existence. So they don't react, they don't get attached, and they don't resist anything, mm-hmm. just the way it is. And if you get into that realm where you, know, you don't create anxiety, no anxiety, no cortisol, no cortisol levels, no burnout, no stress, no inflammation, no aging, right? So if you tap into that life force of energy and frequency, you could create and emit that positive healing energy yourself. The reason I specifically asked about shamanism is there's some interesting reads talking about the practices of becoming a shaman, which ultimately takes 10 years of living in the jungle and basically living on the land. And some of these people who actually do it suggest that you just learn the plants. Like the plants that ultimately, like they say, they speak to you. Like, oh, I know what that does. I know that plant goes. Like you think of like ayahuasca as an example. It's some obscure bark and some some vine. They put them together and boil them. Like who figured that out? And apparently these shaman just become so in tune with every single thing in their environment that they literally have a communication system with like, oh yeah, this thing, this is what your body needs and they can give it to you. And that, that to me is like, you know, the ultimate connection with source. Well, it's alchemy. Yeah. It's true alchemy. And we were like that up till probably the early 20th century hmm. when we kind of went to petroleum-based products, pharmaceutical industry, and medicine left that that wholeness, I call it, to more of a, a pharma-based, petroleum-based right. industry. So how'd you end up as a doctor? I feel like you should be living in that. Oh, he's a healer. Um, yeah, yeah. We can heal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so was, when, you were, when you were young, did you have this awareness of this desire to heal? Uh, yeah, I always liked, uh, I liked anatomy, I like alchemy, I like, I always like the mystic teachings from a young age. And there were a couple ancient healers. There was a guy named Mamadides who used to be, worked for one of the sultans in uh, the Middle East. But the guy was a brilliant physician. He was preventative health, talked about diet, nutrition, sleep. Uh, He knew all the plants, but he was a philosopher, a mystic. Uh, And I think, you know, that type of physician, to me, was what a real physician was. They were scientists, they were mystics, true true healers. But that kind of of physician now is yeah, it's rare. rare. Well, it's hard to exist in this reality, yeah. right? Because there's so many things you have to do to to keep up or to exist in this current society. Yeah. You almost have to remove yourself. Well, it's interesting because they actually, there's science now from uh, Yale, there's something called evolutionary mismatch, mm-hmm. which is basically that we're mismatched, our genes are mismatched to the current environment. Cool. And that's the reason for the basically all chronic diseases, 100%. right? And that's exactly what he was just saying, is like our bodies are designed to do certain things, yeah. but we're not ma- our environment isn't matched to that. And so cool. that's what causes all these chronic diseases. Yeah, and do you think that's kind of part of what's happening now with this, what they're saying is like the Great Awakening? Is like, is, is there a separation in the population? Like people are actually coming to awareness that they just don't want to exist in this anymore? Well, I think something's happening for sure. And some people have call, called it entering into the divine feminine mm. energy where there's this balance returning 
um, between divine feminine, divine masculine, and, and this and this awakening process. And a lot of people are feeling that kind of something's happening. And I, I do think energy is playing a big role in that. Um, and it doesn't matter what religion background you are. It's at the end of the day, all the mystics talk about oneness. We're all one in essence. Right. So what's your 25 year plan? Cause it sounds to me like this is, this is a blip on the radar for you guys. Uh, I, I will practice medicine it. Hopefully, as long as I live, yeah. maybe not, you know, four days a week, maybe two days a week, do some work in the lab. But I like uh, to kind of broaden my horizons, like the old sages of yeah. ancient times, and try to yeah. become acquire more knowledge and stuff like that. That's awesome. How yourself to do? Yeah, I, w- I want to push the boundaries in regenerative medicine over the next twenty-five years as much as possible. So, so what does that look like? Well, I'm hoping we can establish a center somewhere off site because then we can actually do stem cells, culture them and start doing more studies with that. Um, So it's a medical approach rather than like, you know, Tony's talking about like the returning to ancestral practices. I mean, maybe when I'm 80, (laughs) I am 30 years younger than him. So I I don't know. (laughs) So for now, I think I want to focus. Yeah, regenerative medicine is just such an exciting field. And I think there's so many opportunities to help so many people. And and I think most people like it, right? Like it's it's healing your own body naturally. We're just giving it the right signals and the right tools it needs. And that's all it's about. So it's all about cellular signaling and how do we do that? Right. And it's a combination of the lifestyle stuff and the different treatments that we have. Right? So here's the question. When are we writing a book on how people need to, to return to true health, true healing, right? That's right. the next step. It's like yeah. there's so many facets and, you know, the world needs this conversation from people who have been doing it this long and, and uh, who have their respect and attention. I, I don't know if it's a book or, or you take people out on... You know, kind of a different style of workshop where it's more, you know, scientific, research, meditative, yeah. uh, like the whole the whole package, not just this one little segment, but everything, right, right from science, R&D, right to the mystics. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, right? Yeah, that's beautiful. Very cool. So um, I would love to tell the audience how they can get in touch with you guys and get out here to work with you guys personally. And... You know, as far as the audience goes, like anyone who has any injuries, anyone who's looking to optimize their body, whether an athlete or not, like I couldn't recommend this this treatment more. I'm coming in just to do it because I want to. I want to kind of. <laughs> I want everything to feel better. I mean, yeah. if, if I get half the effect I did last time, it'll be completely, you know, 10x worth what I'm investing. So, yeah, if you guys want to let let them know where we can find you. Well, we have our website, Institute of Human Mechanics. I think that's the easiest way to see what we have to offer. Uh, for me, I'm on social media. So uh, dr.acon, K-H-A-N. He's too. He's I'm the social media guy. <laughs> so you can just reach, uh, you can just uh, uh, email me on there. Don't DM though. I'm sure you know DMs just, I can't check them all. So I can't slide into your DMs. Yeah, no, but you can email. <laughs> yeah. Uh, guys, that was awesome. Like so, so valuable. Thank you for, for your time and your wisdom and I hope you guys continue to do it and hopefully get an open space to be able to really uh, dive in with your, all your wisdom and, and uh, less regulation. Yeah. We'll if not here, somewhere else. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah.
Yeah, awesome. <laughs> All right, thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, man. That's so great. All right, ladies and gents, that's a wrap. Thank you so much to Tony Gallia. Thank you so much to Adil Khan for joining me. If you guys want to get in touch with them, they are located in Toronto, Canada, and there will be information about how to reach them and access their clinic in the show notes. If you head over to muscleintelligence.com slash podcast, you can find that there as well as anywhere where you listen to podcasts. My favorite place to listen to podcasts lately has been Spotify. Uh, thank you to Spotify. Thank you to Apple. Thank you even to Amazon now that is hosting podcasts. Guys, I feel truly privileged to not only be able to interview the smartest people in the world, but to bring you the greatest information that exists in the world so that you can live your greatest life in a body that you absolutely love. My passion in life has become truly helping people. I realized I would do it for free. And it feels like such a gift to be able to talk to people like Dr. Gallia, talk to people like Dr. Khan, make them friends, understand them, and ultimately take this information that really back to you, to my clients, to my family, and ultimately apply it to myself. I have become the consummate biohacker lately doing so many, and I don't like the term, but using so many different modalities to figure out how I can ultimately optimize my physique, bring you feedback on how you can optimize your physique, your mental health, your physical health, and everything in between. So ultimately you can show up at your highest and best for yourself, you can show up at the highest and best for your family, for your team, for your business, and ultimately live your greatest life in the body you love. Have a great day, gents. Ladies, thank you for being here. Don't forget to take care of our sponsors, guys. Head over to buyoptimizers.com. Use the code MUSCLE10 to get hooked up with 10% off. And when you're done there, head over to muscleintelligence.com slash bubsnaturals to get 20% off. Use the code MUSCLE. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for tuning in to Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Pikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.